Welcome to Deuces Are Mild, where we review number twos for you. We'll be unpacking arguably unnecessary sequels so you don't have to. I'm your host, Allie, and with me is my co-host, Rob. Rob, how's it going? Another day of of working at home in a pandemic, and, yeah. and now we're in that winter mode mm. where from, what, about 8.30 a.m. to about 5.30 p.m., it's the same light gray color outside. Yeah. And, like, I know the sun's technically there, but I'm not feeling it. No, not at all. I, like, I was so upset when I looked at the weather um, for, like, the next 10 days yesterday, and I saw that it's, like, snow, freezing rain, sleet, cloudy, snow. And I'm, like, why? (laughs) And I was, like, so depressed about it, like, this morning, like, I put on my sad light. And I haven't put on my sad light in the past couple of winters because it hasn't really been that sad outside. So... It was also um, easier to go outside the past few winters. Too. Yeah, yeah. But these days, not so much. And this winter has just been relentless. So Yeah, it's been it's oh. what have you uh what have you been working on when I haven't been working or asking you what you're working on? <laughs> I'm working on stuff here or there. You've been keeping busy lately though. I have been. I've been cleaning the house and I've been uh making jewelry. I have a whole side business. I'm not doing a plug, but because you asked, so I'm just yeah, I just I love it when you're productive because when you're productive, you're like a whirlwind of output. It's great. Oh yes, I inspire others too, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm so inspirational. You know what's not inspirational? <laughs> Don't hungry. He's not the no. He's not the most inspirational in this. That's for sure. But the movie Kindergarten Cop Two, yeah, is not terribly inspirational. No, uh, this. I, but we'll discuss it today. Yes, we'll we'll see if it's a. Uh, I don't know. Arguably, I think it might be unarguably, but we'll discuss that. <laughs> the necessity, anyway. It's it's been an odd one. Um, <laughs> what can I say? But. Uh, uh, this is, of course, the sequel to Kindergarten Cop 1. Which as... I hadn't seen all the way through until today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's it's funny because it's probably been a very long time, probably 10 plus years since I've watched it beginning to end. And I really, I liked it. It was better than I thought it would be. I thought it would have aged poorly. I thought there would have been maybe like a few like, I mean, it was made in 1990. That's that's a quarter of a century ago. Really? It was 1990? I mean, it was more than a quarter of a century ago at this point, but... It was a quarter of a century until the sequel came out, but yeah, so that's, it's been 31 years. 31 years? Wait, that can't be right. 31 years? It has been 31 years since Kindergarten Cop came out, which is very odd because- Like all those kids are like 40 now. <laughs> don't tell me that. Well, they're not, well, they're they're a little younger than me, yes. Yeah. They're in their mid-30s, so they haven't completely lost their souls yet. But it's it's odd because this was only a few years after Predator- you know, and, and Commando and Raw D, like all these, like, I was about to say Stallone, all these Schwarzenegger action movies. Mm-hmm. And and this is just an odd movie to come out for him. And it was really great. I, I loved rewatching it. Um, so to, if I'm going to recap kind of everybody here. So it's basically, if you remember the first one, there's a cop trying to find, he's like been following this drug dealer killer guy around for 
I don't know. It's kind of unclear. We just assume it's in the midst of it. Um, he finds out this guy's, he's like, he, he, he arrests them. He's trying to get them convicted, put in jail. He finds out that this guy's ex-wife took their kid and millions of his dollars to Oregon. And he wants her to testify. And which just sounds like a great kindergarten movie already. And, <laughs> you know, and so he figures out where she is that, that she's, that she or the kid are somehow involved in this particular school. So he and his partner go up there. His partner gets sick and can't go in to be the substitute teacher, which would have been perfect because her background was in teaching and then she became a cop. But now Arnold has to do it and his background is basically being an angry Austrian cop, um, which, I mean, is basically <laughs> what he says in it. And uh, he has to figure out which kid in this kindergarten class is the killer's kid. So he gets to know the kids and the kids in the original are great. And I have an issue with the kids in this one. It's not really their fault, but, you know, we'll get to that. But the kids are hilarious in the first one. Like, from from lines that are, like, obviously it's meant to, like, draw something out. Like, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. But just the way it's delivered. The kids kids say stuff like that. They do. It felt very realistic. And I wouldn't have been shocked if there were, like, a couple days where they just handed out some, like, like sugar pops or lollipops and we're just like all right get that sugar rush and then we're just gonna record you saying things to arnold here yeah and that that um who's your daddy and what does he do game? yes like all of that it sounded like they were actually talking about their parents they were believable which for what half of them were saying made me sad i know <laughs> but it was it was a very it was a very great movie you know and you got to see schwarzenegger's character evolve and that's important to note when we talk about this movie, yes. Schwarzenegger character evolved. He realizes, like, okay, well, I don't know how to handle kids, so I'm going to bring some of myself to this. What is myself? I am a policeman, so I like to keep things in order and have people respond to things. So I'm going to have a whistle, and I'm going to teach them to march, and, and but feel good about themselves, physical fitness, and, and doing all these things. But he also, like, starts picking up from, like, other teachers what mm-hmm. works. He starts learning about the kids and not in a weird way, which again, we'll get to that. Um, but just like literally like learns what's going on with each of the kids in his way of trying to find out which one is the killer's kid. Yeah. Um, but long story short, the killer finds out where they are and he real and Schwarzenegger finds out that the mom, the mom of the kid, when he finds that the kid is the teacher at the school, he tries to burn down the school to flush him out. They capture him. The end. Um, and it's a, it's a great movie. It was fun. Like I said, I, I was I was, it was really actually pleased. really cute. I because yeah. like like I said, I hadn't watched the whole thing until today, and I was actually pleased with it. I was like, this is going to be so dumb, but I actually kind of liked it. So it's interesting because it's like clearly that blend of like an action comedy. Yeah. But usually they are more action with comedy cut in. This was almost the opposite. This was a comedy, but it had definitely enough action oh, yeah. to say it was an action movie. There are some dark things in there's this. There's some dark stuff in it. There's like, like a drug addict <laughs> and there's killing and... Yeah, I mean, what, whatever most people remember about this movie when they reflect back on it, it's the middle third. Mm-hmm. It's not all the dark stuff in the first half. Yeah. And it is definitely not a lot of the very dark stuff like in the last 10 minutes. Well, and also like the abuse child oh, part and everything i was like oh gosh but it, it, it grounded the film but yeah but i mean but and then like, yeah go ahead yeah oh, i was gonna say like i <laughs> after we watched the the first kindergarten cop yeah i was like excited because there were so many things that i wanted to talk about and i was like oh wait we're not that podcast <laughs> 
was like, yeah. we're the number two podcast. We, yeah, we are definitely doing the number two. <laughs> oh my gosh. So uh, let's dive into predictions. So yeah. for those who don't know, <sighs> predictions. Um, before the movie, uh, Rob and I put down three predictions each about the movie we are about to watch based on what we know about the first movie. Or anything. A poster... Or, yeah, it's just, yeah, but we don't do any research on. Yeah, the that's that's that's, that's part of the fun of it. Is is that's why sometimes our predictions are ridiculous. Uh, yeah, very and um, ridiculous. Oh, Jesus. So, Rob, do you want to go over your predictions? Yeah, and unfortunately, I think my predictions were based on my excitement of the first movie, mm-hmm. um, and not reflective of how badly a sequel can take things down. Not just a notch, but a whole belt of notches i like i'm thinking of you mean girls too so my first my first prediction was that they were only going to try to pull some of the best stuff from the movie like which to me was sort of like the kid hijinks um i, I was like they're like the movie's going to be ridiculous it's going to be the same premise kindergarten but like that they're just going to fill it with that because that's what people remember and oddly enough like there was a few kid hijinks things but it was done in a context which was kind of uh, mocking or condescending or like treating the kids more like props rather than characters. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know, it was very odd. Um, but my second prediction is that there would be no, like, no continuity. Like, there would be nothing about this movie that clearly indicates, like, oh, this this happened afterwards. Not, you know, something related to it. Like a partnership. So, yeah, them. like, I thought, I, I was like, you know, they're going to completely cut it off. There's not going to be anything. There's no thread of, like, someone being somebody's father or brother yeah or yeah exactly like yeah like like Dolph Lundgren is he gonna be Arnold Schwarzenegger's son who grew up to off of you know whatever you know it could happen they're both big guys we kept hearing about his muscles in this one too oh, um but the the there but that wasn't the case and I mean technically you could make the argument that this was a remake of the first movie yes um like the only thing that i would say aside from them you know copying certain scenes like weirdly picked scenes that they chose to copy not not the ones you think they would some of them they did not we'll go over that in in a moment but um they they didn't the only thing i noticed between the two and this is a weird thing for me to notice the motel in the opening scene is top motel it's the same motel that schwarzenegger and his partner um stay in in the first movie, it was also Top Motel. Oh, weird. That's what they decided to link it as. Okay. Which just didn't didn't really make much sense, but I heard I heard a sound of recognition from your side of the couch, and I was like, I'm missing something. So. Uh, me and motels, we are like this, <laughs> like we are, we know it. But but yeah, I mean, and and my my third one, I'll go my third prediction, but I, I you know, and, and I do kind of want to round back to the whole thing about what they did put in the movie from the first one. But my third prediction was that because I just felt like it'd be the cheap thing to do, but some way to make people feel alive while watching this was that there would be some reference to another Dolph Lundgren movie. Like I love Rocky four. That is like one of my favorite movies. Like, I didn't know if they would drop the line of, I must, I will break you or uh, he dies. He dies. You know, something like that. I don't know. He's, you know, he's been expendables. He's masters of the universe. I thought there'd be something like that. They didn't give us that. Um, what did you pick one out? Cause I didn't see one. Well, I kind of have something, but 
Yeah. I don't know. So let's go into your predictions here, and then we can kind of dig into how this carried some stuff over from the first movie. Okay, so my first prediction kind of goes along with your last prediction. I said that there would be some sort of, like, reference or joke to boxing. In Mm. the opening credits, he was beating a bag outside of his bayou sort of house <laughs> yeah that was yeah, the, the bayou of seattle clearly. yeah yeah <laughs> um that was odd yeah i mean i guess that's a stretch but i know but you know what I, i'll count it because one thing i didn't really because I, I, I felt like they put it in the opening credits yeah. the very beginning so it's like look you got to see him punch a bag like you know so the, and that's funny you say that because i something i put in my notes was there were a couple lines, because like, like when Dolph Lundgren, when he speaks, he does have a slight Swedish accent, but he purposely Americanizes it for, for movies. Like, mm-hmm. you, can, you can hear him in an interview versus hear him in a movie. But it sounded like some of the lines he was delivering in this, it sound, he sounded like he was trying to do a Sylvester Stallone impression. Yeah. And it wasn't even just like, a, oh, is he like, has he just been punched too many times in his life? But it really, it was odd. It sounded like, I don't know if and that was, if that was him trying to cover with an American accent, but a lot of times it sounded like he was delivering lines like he was doing a Stallone impression. <laughs> it's very strange. Anyway, yeah, it's, I don't know if that counts, but we'll we'll go with it. <laughs> what else did you have? I'll, I'll do my third prediction and then my second prediction, because my second prediction I think will open up a can of worms. So my third prediction was that dodgeball would be the Chekhov's fire drill, basically. Remember in the first one, the fire drill was like something that they had to like nail and he was like trying to get them to like actually do it. And then at the end of the movie, there's a fire. And so they do the fire drill. Oh, right. Yeah. It it came. Chekhov's fire drill. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I thought dodgeball would play a part like that. I was like, I need a really specific one. Oh, see, wait. I was about to ask why dodgeball. Because I feel like that was dodgeball is such a iconic like school like PE game. But uh, I didn't know the kind of school that he would be teaching in, and they definitely would not play dodgeball. They probably wouldn't do much in terms of, well, they did physical activity, but different kinds. Yes. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, And my second prediction, and I was on the money with this one. I said that there would be more potty humor. There would be farts or poops or pee, toilet stuff, and a nut shot. And what did I get? You got... I got... You you got a nut shot and someone crapping their pants in a single scene. Yep. With Chekhov's stun gun. I know. I actually... I I wrote down in my notes, Chekhov's stun gun. I was like, it's going in the nuts. I know it is. I feel like almost every movie we've had a very blatant setup with some Chekhovian object (laughs) or thing. Uh, Yeah. No, the Chekhov, yeah. the Chekhov Blank Award. Yeah, the, there was the the humor in this was definitely lacking. Like it was very very boring humor, very like low hanging fruit kind of stuff like that. Um, even even the stuff they had like the kids say, and like I said, it was it was odd because like the kids were not characters in this. Like one of them yeah. maybe close to it, the kid cowboy, but like they 
they treated the kids more like props. They're like, you say this, say this funny line. Yeah. Say this. And and then it, it was just very odd. So like the, the, in, in the first movie, Kindergarten Cop, it was obvious that every day of the shoot with those kids was probably a living hell. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were letting them be kids. Yeah. You know, in, in Kindergarten Cop 2, number one, they were older. They were not kindergarten age. These were not kindergarten. They were like second graders. They're, yeah, I would agree. I agree. Um, and they were just very well trained, basically. And uh, yeah, they were just, they were furniture. They were, the, they were very there was no like character, like uh, there was no personality. Yeah, no, exactly. They just all gave them, like, they just like, this is the kid that's going to say weird conspiracy theory stuff. This is the kid that's going to talk about the guinea pig. This is the kid, the only one who's got a slight accent, but we're going to put subtitles on the screen for him. Which what? Is, did you notice that? No. So there's this one. Because there's like, we ha- we always have subtitles we on. Always, well, we put we put subtitles on just because sometimes it's just fun to see a description. Like we're watching Poirot and it's like sultry jazz music. I'm like, yeah. all right, I know. <laughs> um, but no, so I don't know if you noticed this. So at the bottom of the screen, there's the one younger kid. There's an Asian kid. When he was talking, they put subtitles on the screen. He, okay, like, he had a slight accent. I didn't notice any accent. And, and, like, it was not, like, I say an accent to the extent that, like, people probably listening to me right now can hear an accent. They're like, oh, you're probably from the East Coast. You're probably from Maryland. Oh, yeah, you got it. Like, you can hear that. Like, that's the extent. And there were a couple other kids who had slight accents, too. Mm-hmm. But this kid, they treated it like he he couldn't be understood. And it was, they always, and I thought, when I first saw it, I thought there was supposed to be something funny about it that I was, like, missing. But then the whole movie went on, and they, like, subtitled him. Oh, the kid in the dinosaur jacket? Maybe, yeah. But they, like, they didn't need to do that. Yeah, they didn't need to do that. that, Because I didn't even (laughs) know. Yeah. Well, and and that was kind of part of how it it was for the kids, though. It was very clinical of how they filmed them. Like, the one scene when they're being weirdly interrogated by Bill Bellamy... Um, who oh was, my I mean, God, the, that scene. The, the, the barely comedic relief in this movie. Um, it was weird because it's mainly just he said something as a setup and then they cut to a shot where it's just they're filming the kid where they clearly just said, say this line. Yeah. And they took probably the best of three takes and threw that in there. And then a lot of the other times in the movie, there wasn't like in the first one where it's a group shot and the kid says something and Arnold says something back and then another kid says something where it was like clearly like, you know, a scene somebody had written out. Yeah. This is just like, say something, Dolph. Okay, cool. Great. We got that shot. Let's, let's, and then we'll come back 30 minutes later. Kids say this line. We'll film you up close. Kid says it. Okay, Dolph, we're going to film you looking down. We're going to pretend you're looking at like. Yeah. There was only probably one day of shooting where they were all in the same classroom oh, together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And and I think that was the day where they got the the paint the first day where they got finger paint on and that changed color from one scene to another. I will say, yeah. uh, you know, it was kind of like um, it, it was a scripted um, kids say the darndest things. Like in the first movie, it, it was obvious that they were letting the kids just kind of talk. I mean, some of the lines were scripted, like you know, the penis and vagina thing, but like they had. <laughs> they had one girl say, I have two mommies and they told me not to trust boys. Like, I love, yeah. <laughs> I love that. But it was also like, oh. 
But then there was like the stuff that, that was like creepy. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to use this to lead into, I think, the bigger thing about this movie. So there's this one kid, like, like I mentioned the line before, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. I'm like, yeah. oh, God, it, it just it cracks them up. And the other kid's like, maybe it's a tumor. It's not a tumor. There's this one kid. His line is, my sister has a vagina. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's weird. Yeah. That's a weird line. There's a <laughs> lot of different ways you could have sort of kind of delivered that same kind of line. That is not what I would have chosen. It's yeah. the different, not a frozen. And that's kind of, I feel like that is sort of a symptom of something that was a weird problem with this movie. A pro- I don't know what to call it. A problem. This was a sequel or remake. It's it's meant to be a sequel, but it's mostly a remake of the first one. Yeah. But the the thing is, they decided to add a whole new layer of mocking. Like it was you, co- social commentary. It was social commentary where, and, and they even have a line where he complains about the liberal BS in the school. Yes, and and I thought, okay, well, maybe he he's an FBI agent. Maybe he's more conservative of a character. And part of the evolution of this character, like we saw in the first one, is he realizes like these these different moments where it's like, oh, this is why the kids have a meditation section, or this is why they have a school psychologist, or. Um, this is why... This is why there's no peanut butter this is why there's, allowed in the school. Yeah. I like, was so mad about that. So, I made... So, yeah. So, this movie had... And I thought it... Again, like I said, I thought it was just like, oh, he's coming into a school that has maybe sort of like a more, you know, liberal... Um, some of the phrasing I saw describing this was like politically correct or or just sort of... But, yeah, just sort of more liberal perspective on things. I made a list while we were watching this of all the stuff... That they explicitly, like, didn't just mention, but, like, actually made fun of in this movie mm-hmm. regarding this. So they made fun of med- meditation. They made fun of using only BPA plastics. Mm-hmm. They made fun of eating tofu. They made fun of being gluten-free. They made fun of pe- peanut allergies. Mm-hmm. They made fun of, of having meatless Mondays because they had a meatless Monday yep. there. They made fun of composting. They had the school announce that the holiday festival was now just being changed to the festival, so they didn't offend the agnostics who were who were there. Um, they had a therapy pig, which is like schools have like sometimes they have dogs or cats show up and you can just kind of pet them and hang out. It's like a yeah, they did that at our college. Yeah, and it's just meant to be like a fun de-stress thing, and like oh, I haven't seen my puppy, but here's a puppy kind of thing. They had a therapy pig. They had they they referred to their quote gender neutral wrestling team. Which was just like, it's like they felt oh, the need yeah. to pry that in. I'm like, okay, well, you are in elementary school. Like, yeah. so why would you have that? Like, they felt the need to put that in there. They made fun of establishing emotional safety for kids. Um, I mentioned meditation. They made fun of the kid eating tofu. They they mocked revering the Dalai Lama, which there there's political implications there too. But, like, it, it was just very odd. And th- was it the other thing? Oh, they had that bachelor auction. And aside from having the uh, stereotypical gay guy that was like, wow, you didn't even try to make make this subtle. When they're talking about how, like, the whole point of a bachelor auction is just anybody bids, you know. And they made it presented like, oh, you can have a you know date or just hang out with, you know, teacher Zachary, Dolph Lundgren's character. And, and, and the, they felt the need to announce that men, women, or intergender, I think was the term that they used. In this, and it was like any of any of you are allowed to bid on this, mm-hmm. and and I was thinking, I was like, you know, one of the things we look for in these movies is is are there like problematic moments? 
the whole part of the whole movie was had this fundamental problematic thing. Like it was even like it, it tried to pry bar in a few things, just like like to anyway. They, they there's this whole whole other layer they added in here that I thought that they were just doing to set up him realizing, oh, it is good for these kids to meditate. It is good for these kids to talk about their feelings with each other. But they actually just use it as something to make fun of throughout the movie, even like in the final scene where he like he's fighting the bad guy and he mocks like, here, you want me to tell you about my feelings and then we can, you know, solve this like normal people, you know, like they're mocking it. Mm -hmm. And then they had that one scene where he's getting like guidance in his earpiece from, uh, from Bill Bellamy and he... He's Bill Bellamy gives him advice and he doesn't agree with it, so he uses the R word, and and it's, and he's like, no, you you can't say that these days, and he's like, oh, okay, well, and he tries to get the kids to sit down in the middle of the floor, and he and then he he doesn't use indigenous, he uses another I word, and and he's like, you don't say that, we say crisscross applesauce. Um, which even uh, that, my brain was like, wait, do we say that? But I guess, I don't know. I don't teach kindergarten, so. No, they do do that. Is, is that, okay, you probably remember that better than I do. But, but it's, it was, it was like, they wanted an excuse to put something like that in there. And he didn't, this move, this, it, it, from beginning to end, it mocked talking about your feelings and it mocked people with any sort of allergies. It mocked people who. Oh, it's and and then oh, I I could go right on this for hours. This like think about the teacher that he falls in love with. Who, aside from being about thirty five years his junior, I swear they cast her because she looked like Sarah Palin. I thought she looked like Aubrey Plaza by the end of it, but maybe I don't know. It depends when she had her glasses on. They kept changing the scenes of when she had them on or not. Mm-hmm. I'm out of breath, but yeah, the, 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 this movie had like a very odd slant. That really warped everything about it. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I, there, there's one. Uh, I, I will say the bachelor, yeah. the bachelor auction um, was wholly unnecessary. Yeah, completely unnecessary. Like it was a five minute scene where it was a bachelor auction. We have no establishing. Um, scenes beforehand telling us what this auction is for, what is benefiting, um, and uh, there's no payoff either or anything. It's just this tiny little scene of people bidding on the hottest guy in the room, Dolph Lundgren, and it was kind of weird. So, and also the... The story time with the rainbow bird. Oh yeah, yeah that that was my first what the fuck moment because I was like, oh, we're gonna be that kind of movie, I guess. So well, especially remember in the first one, the scene where he reads to the kids is such a great scene. It's it's almost one of the first ones where he sort of starts to understand them. Yeah, where he, where he starts being sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, I almost feel like. Kindergarten Cop 2 was kind of like, you know, throwing up middle fingers to kinder- the original Kindergarten Cop being like, ooh, you're so soft, you know, like. A bit, maybe. Because I don't know. like early 90s kid movie things like that were, you know, a little bit saccharine, but, eh, you know, it, it's at least enjoyable. <laughs> so something else uh, you may have a lot to talk about with is just the FBI in general in this movie. Yeah. That chief, 
I, I mean, I don't even know what his name was, but um, the guy who is constantly yelling for no reason at uh, Lundgren and um, Bellamy, one of his habits that he had that grated on me throughout the entire <laughs> freaking movie was he would chew gum and then put it behind his ear like <laughs> like um uh Violet Beauregard and it was just like it was so nasty like he would just like spit in his hand and then just like put it behind his ear and it was just oh god it was an odd mannerism but... and he was one of my pee moment like potty humor moments oh, because this, oh this is such a great moment. and it was so funny because so he gets a call the chief gets a call from lundgren and he's in the bathroom. He is unzipping in front of the urinal and his phone rings and he answers it. And I'm like, I got to ask myself, what's got to be so important? What could be so urgent? What could be so urgent? Well, you've got your horn out there. What could be so urgent <laughs> that you have to answer your phone? That's our plug for Letter Kenny. So we're at the local FBI <laughs> branch up the other day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it was like... Uh, it was so dumb, but he and he was like having trouble with his phone and everything, and it looked like he might have peed on his shoes, and he was just like, "Oh, don't talk when you tinkle." Oh, and I was I like, love, "That was a good line." Though. I thought it was funny because <laughs> it was kind of like a something you would tell a, a kindergartner, yeah, a little yeah. boy learning to use the urinal, like, "Don't talk when you tinkle." Yeah, it, it was, it was. I, I so I like the chief. He was my favorite part of this movie, even though I have <laughs> issues with him. One being the cliched, just like angry chief boss, yeah. like you always see. But I, I don't know. I, I just his mannerism with the gum behind the ear is weird. He had that one line where they were trying to say that how how they were getting closer to the guy. And he's like, I want to know the size of his crap. Yeah, and I was like. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he was he was a twofer for me because yeah. he mentioned crap and then he was peeing in a, <laughs> in a urinal. I love um, that. My favorite character was actually uh, Bill Bellamy as Sanders because he was the most believable person in the he, entire movie. He absolutely movie. was. And I was just like, and I felt for him too because he was like, man, I got five kids, and you know, like, I, and he knew everything about like the world when Dolph Lundgren was still using the R word and everything. Yeah. That was actually one of my favorite scenes was when he was in the earpiece and that whole thing where he's just like correcting Dolph Lundgren throughout the entire thing. Just like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> and, and, and that's where like, I thought the turning point would like, come. Yeah, I know. He was just like, uh, don't be racist in short. <laughs> yeah. Just don't be racist. <sighs> Um, it was, don't be a piece of shit. It, I, I, I will say I, I I did I did appreciate Bellamy in this one because like obviously they they just put him in there to be the comic relief because he's the only not probably the only naturally funny or maybe intentionally funny person in this one. Mm -hmm. But I've always I've loved Bill Bellamy since he was an MTV VJ and it was just nice to see him in it. Like yeah. I was like okay, thanks somebody can do comedy in this one. Thank goodness. Yeah. So you know who can't do comedy in this? How? He was my least favorite character. <laughs> I went back and forth with him. Like, honestly, he was padding his part so much. And he was just like... And I thought he was gay at first when he was talking to Dolph Lundgren. They really implied that. They really implied that. I feel like they might have rewritten it. 
because maybe he didn't feel comfortable or Dolph Lundgren didn't feel comfortable having like a gay encounter of some kind. But like, I I totally thought he was gay and then he was coming on to Dolph like, let me get your number. Oh, just put your number in here. And just like asking if he was married and everything else. And I was like. So it's either that. My gaydar went off. So, so and, and I, th- I, th- I thought it was either that or they did not know how to write a healthy male relationship mm-hmm. between two men. So that's what they wrote. I also, yeah. that also crossed my mind because aside from two basically FBI agents relating to each other because they got to, you know, conduct violence together or 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 violate people's privacy throughout this entire movie. Um, oh my god, the I, unwarranted the, FBI surveillance was just so stupid. The FBI in this movie stood for found a bunch of your info. That is what the <laughs> FBI stood for in this movie. Um yeah, as I I agree. How how is an odd character and and I don't think they knew how to write they didn't know it was like the almost op- opposite of what you call the the Bechdel test, but this one it was like they didn't know how to make them just have a friendly relationship as just two men who happen to work together. Yeah. So they th- had to throw in the conflict as like, well, I wanted to date the teacher. Yeah. And that's literally just how they built the rest of their relationship the whole movie. It was yeah. Oh. Can we talk about Olivia for just a second? So, yeah, we we can do that. Okay, I feel like she is young enough to be Dolph Lundgren's daughter. She can be. And that's disgusting. Um, they not, set it up, though. I mean, here's the thing. It's like, yes, age is just a number. I know people who have massive age differences between them. However, it is definitely a trope in Hollywood that you have an older man and a much younger woman. Like in Mank. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mank, uh, the movie Mank. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mankiewicz and his wife, Sarah, they were the same age. In real life. Mm -hmm. The movie, Gary Oldman is playing Mank and he's 62 and Tuppence Middleton plays his wife. She's 33. Well, Lundgren's 60, 60 something, maybe when he filmed this. And at the time, Olivia would have been 29. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So do you remember, but so if you recall, so the movie opens where he seems to be falling in love with somebody who's he's in an undercover investigation with, and they acknowledge, like, Bill Bellamy refers to him as being interested in mattresses, is the term they use. Yes. And, and 19-year-old 19 mattresses. 19-year-old ma- mattresses. Lundgren's like, what's that? And he's like, model actresses. That's what we call them, mattresses. And I was like, well, that's disgusting, but okay. Yeah. But they were just literally setting up. I'm like, oh, that's the kind of love interest they're going to give him in this movie. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I didn't like her, and, and maybe it was just her character I didn't like. I, I think maybe it had to do with the fact that her character was there to validate the I don't like the liberal BS stuff, like I have to reheat the kid's tofu or we have to have them meditate. Um, like, I thought she was kind of there to validate that. And she she looked like she looked like she'd be a Fox News host, like aside from being a brunette, like it, the like, makeup and, and, and was the, oh, the makeup terrible. was terrible. She looked jaundiced. They made well, so did made, he. Like, he did too. They both did, but her makeup, like her neck, was a different color. Yeah, um, but it was. I, and and it's it's fine, you know, like makeup isn't great and stuff. But I just I, I did not like her character. Like if, I bet if I knew her her character in real life would have a Facebook page. That's a photo of her holding a Bible and a gun. I guarantee you. Like, uh. I actually, so I thought she would look right at home in a porn. And I thought when the movie started, I was like, did we accidentally turn on porn? 
because it started in a motel room with a busty blonde, like, and I was just like, mm. porn a garden cop. Yeah, no, it was, it was really weird. And Lundgren, Lundgren, he's supposed to be this like hot bachelor guy who's Oof. like bringing in tail like crazy, and I'm like, how though? Like. He was hot back in the day. I'm not going to lie. But now he's kind of a shambling corpse of a person. He was not running very well at all. They referred to his muscles nonstop through the movie. They and I'm re- like, what muscles? They referred to his muscles more times than we saw them. Yeah. No, he's wiry, but like, he's nowhere near like a Schwarzenegger like muscle guy. Especially Schwarzenegger at that age when he was doing Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. In the shape he was in. Absolutely. Well, and so, and also, <laughs> also, I just couldn't help it. Like, he looked so tired the entire time. Like, he looked he half asleep. Like, his eyes were half open most of the time. And I'm just like, why does he always look like he just woke up from, like, a three-hour nap? Maybe it was method acting. Maybe what he was saying is, <laughs> like, you know what? To make sure that I'm as tired as somebody who no- doesn't normally take care of kids would be, I am going to be the daycare for the set of this movie. <laughs> so I look like I'm miserable. I don't know. All right. I have a question for you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is a burning Burning question. Mm-hmm. The school has surveillance mm-hmm. that Bill Bellamy like taps into so that he can help Dolph Lundgren mm-hmm. like you know navigate his life and whatever yeah. in the school. Uh why not look through the footage to see what Kevin did with the flash drive? <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> I I agree. Like, why? Yeah, so so the part of this movie is is they're trying to figure out where this teacher who got killed in a car accident, he had a flash drive with all the witness protection. Witness protection. So uh, so like their real names and 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 what their new names were and relocated and their new socials and all that stuff. So kind of like the knock list if you ever saw the original Mission Impossible, but for witnesses instead of spies. And so they're trying to find where this flash drive is, and and yeah, like the. They they spent the whole movie with him just finding flash drives throughout the school. Like, well, yeah, that's it's a school, you know, and like the shock and awe of finding flash drives in a teacher's drawer. Like, oh, it's going to be one of these. It was it was a very weird. They like they kept building on that, and it was just. Well, I knew like the very first like interaction he had with them when they were doing the poem about their guinea pig. Oh yeah. When they were saying the poem, I was like. That's the clue that he's totally not going to listen to. He's just going to be like, okay, let's not talk about the guinea pig. Let's talk about flash drives. Yeah. Like, no. And, and the trick was that the first letter of each line of the poem spelled out where the where the, the flash drive was. But I thought it actually would have to do with the, the name Mija. Be- Which, by the way, <laughs> I, was the pig. So, I was so tickled with the name Mija because the way that they explained it in the movie <laughs> is... Mija was the name that Kevin, the teacher, had for his brother, Jason, who was the hacker that actually had, like, made the flash drive and then gave it to his brother, Kevin, and Kevin died. Just keep up with me. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's not worth it for this movie, but anyway. (laughs) But, um, so, uh, his brother, Jason, went by, he couldn't say his name, so he'd say Mija. Mija. Or Mijace. Mijace. Yeah. And so, they called him Mija. Well, when I was a kid... My my full name is Alicia, and my brother couldn't say Alicia. 
he would say, my Misha. And so then it got shortened to Misha. And so when when they were explaining the Mija thing, I was like, oh, I'm a Mija, but I'm a Misha. <laughs> and that was cute. That was cute. And yeah. the direction I thought it was going to go that was, I was like, well, maybe they're mispronouncing the name. Yeah, because, I was playing be, with those letters like crazy. So I thought, what if the Mija was M-E-G-A instead of M-E-J-A? So like Mega. And I was like, oh, maybe that's like a brand of flash drive in the kindergarten cop universe. Oh, um, yeah. At Cinematic Universe, obviously. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, what, what they ended up having to be was, was cute. But I, I don't know. Yeah, th- th- this movie was rough. The, uh, uh, Zach Reed, Dolph Lundgren's character, was terrible at being undercover. He used his real name. Well, they did that in the first one. I know. Which was weird enough as it is, but like... But they knew he was... Uh, the school knew he was undercover. That's true. They didn't. They 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 were full undercover for this one. True. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think my issue was that like... The only reason he didn't say he was an FBI agent or what he was investigating there for... Because nobody straight up asked him. If they had asked him, he would have just apparently just spit it right out. Like when he was on the date with the teacher, and they're at his 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 his, his Seattle Bayou bungalow, mm-hmm. and like throughout the movie, a couple times he's casually hinted about this teacher who died. And like, oh, did he used to like give you like secret, you know, or give you like a flash drive? Did like teachers share flash drives, or or do you know if he had any sort of like you know special files on his computer that he would have shared with you, like? It's like, okay, he's trying to be discreet, but then there's, like, multiple scenes where he's like, did he ever leave secret packages with you? Did this part, like, and they're like, why do you keep... Unmarked packages. Unmarked packages. Like, they're, <laughs> why did you, why do you keep asking if this dead teacher hid stuff who you didn't know? Yeah, she's not very smart when it comes to that. She didn't question it at all. No, she didn't. They just went line dancing afterwards. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> they went line dancing. Watching the big him? Seattle line dancing scene, of course. <laughs> yeah, right? And bull riding. It was actually filmed in Vancouver, but if you told me there was a Vancouver line dancing scene, I'd not believe you anyway. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, watching Dolph Lundgren, um, like, the fact that what we saw, like, in almost every take, he was, like, shuffle, like shuffling or, like, did a wrong step in yeah, the wrong direction. Yeah. I was like, and this is supposed to be something that he does regularly? Okay, Sure. Yeah. Okay, movie. You look like me trying to do, uh, well, I was about to say the truffle shuffle, but that's what Chunk does. I'm probably better at that. <laughs> what was it? The cha-cha slide. Like, yes. it was, his his footwork was not footwork. It, yeah. was, it was rough, but that was that was an interesting scene. It was at the Rooster's Country Cabaret. I have to, fi- I'll have to find that place. We'll have to go on vacation yeah. there. Yeah, no, because I would totally go there and the mechanical peanuts bowl. and then, you know, uh, well, yeah. I would never ride a mechanical bull. I mean, I did once in college, but like, man, I can't imagine doing it now. I feel so fragile these days. I'm just like, no. That was an odd scene to put in this movie. Of all all the scenes that they put in here, it's very strange. I, I don't know. It was like, <laughs> we need some urban cowboy in this. That'll help this out. Let's oh, yeah. do that. Yeah, I don't know. No. Um, one more thing. That yeah. peanut allergy thing really pissed me off. Because, yeah. you know, my brother is allergic to do peanuts. Yeah. And, like, even, I mean, back in the day when he was in school, there wasn't a peanut ban. Mm. So we would send him to school as a child 
hoping that nobody gave him peanuts because he could have died. The fact that they have peanut-free schools now is so much better. It's not like... It's not like celiacs. It's not like lactose intolerance. It is a deadly allergy. And the fact that they were well, making... Well, it takes very little to trigger it. Oh, yeah. No. Peanut dust in the air can set someone off. And it's just... It really pissed me off that they were, like, making fun of it. Like, he said peanut butter. And then all the kids start screaming. And, and the principal comes in and is like, like, what? The peanut butter? Like... And yeah. It was so annoying. Like the was... the whole like, you know, basically they were flashing snowflake across the screen, mm-hmm. you know, at us, I feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they de- like, they definitely were and, and the fact that he didn't really evolve as a character was disappointing. question for you uh-huh. to try and kick off your uh <laughs> your information a little yeah, bit yeah yeah what's that was twix a sponsor for this movie i couldn't tell <sighs> you, you think they were <laughs> i think twix had about as many scenes as bill bellamy did yeah um <laughs> That's and, fair, yes. like and it's not even just like it wasn't just the mentioning of twix it's like the holding it up like it was like the the scene in wayne's world where they're like Making fun of like endorse prop product endorsements in movies. Yes, and I'm like, there's a lot of talk about Twix. They kept mentioning it, and it's like some of them. They even in the final scene of literally how he escapes the bad guy, where the yeah. kids start attacking the bad guy with sticks. Is his cue is like, wait till I eat the Twix bar. I'm like, what? Yeah, that was so weird. That was really weird. But I guess 26 years after the original, that's. That's how far it was. Why? Why That's do they keep they doing left? this? Why do sequels keep doing this? They 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 wait for like quarter of a century before they because it's so cheap. And and this one is a direct to DVD. This is a direct to video. Oh my That's, god! And and I I can I'll tell you what the people who are involved in making this movie here. So like I oh I can go so deep into this. They are responsible for so many sequels. You've heard of Tremors. Yes! The guy who directed this, Don Michael Paul, I think he directed and or wrote three of the sequels. <gasps> um, the movie Sniper, which I think was an old like Tom Berenger movie. Yeah. The, he did like two or three of those sequels. Oh, wow. Um, but his main claim to fame was he, he wrote the screenplay for Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, which I think was a Kevin Klein and Bruce Willis movie from like the late 80s. I don't remember exactly. But I've heard of the movie, and to me, that's the claim to fame, because I've heard of it. But, like, I, the the producer and writers of this movie, like, I was trying to figure out, why does this movie have this weird anti-liberal tilt? Yeah. And I couldn't really find anything. Like, really? The, the producer and writer, like, they did a lot of the American Pie sequels, and I remember they made a movie called Death Race, and then a remake of Death Race, and then they did sequels of Death Race. This guy did the sequels to the remakes. Apparently, there's a Smoke and Aces 2 that this guy was involved with, the multiple Scorpion King. They did a Granddaddy Daycare. And this guy, he also was one of the co-writers and producers of War Games 2. Ah, there we go. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I there I, I wouldn't call, say this movie overlapped with it too much, but there's in terms this... of insane surveillance, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's the yeah, comment for real. there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> he wrote he wrote the movie uh, Slackers too. I don't know if you remember that from the early early two thousands. A Devon Sawa vehicle. It was mm. uh, it was. I think it was meant to be like the next generation's uh, Fast Times. Um, and it um, failed, but, but like the nineties, two thousand, it failed terribly at that, but, gotcha. um, you know, we've talked about, you know, Lundgren and Bellamy in this movie and the lack of Schwarzenegger. So Arnold was going to be, was going to, they wanted to make this movie. They knew that. And I think Arnold was interested in it, but by the time they were going to start making it, he decided that, no, but I think John Kimball has retired and it's not going to be a teacher or a cop anymore. So he wasn't going to be in it. And I'm I'm curious to know if he ever read the script for this because then apparently they try to get him to come and do a cameo at some point. I don't know if as John Kimball or just as another character, or whatever. And he basically said he couldn't fit it into his schedule. Now I was I don't know exactly when they filmed this. I looked at mid 2010 Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. He was not doing much. Yeah, he was not that busy. No, so I wouldn't be shocked if he looked at the script and was like, I'm good. I'm good. Dolph, you you can take this. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you, you do the Swedish version of my Austrian. Yeah. When was Schwarzenegger governor of California? I think that was more late 90s, early 2000s. I don't remember exactly. But okay. it, it was before that. Okay. So, but... No, I was just, you know, wondering if... It might have been like early 2010s, because I think he had just left when he did a cameo in Expendables or something. I forget what it was. Something before that. But but yeah, I mean, most of this cast here, like, at first I thought I knew them, but then I was like, okay, this is definitely not a person I recognize. Like, the, the closest, like, a few of the people who were in this movie were, are in the Snowpiercer TV show. Um, mm-hmm. Some major minor characters. Um, a couple of them were in Once Upon a Time, which I know you were a fan of. Wait, So the, the kid Cowboy, he played Roland for a few seasons. Do you remember a little kid named Roland? can't remember. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you. Because I, I don't oh. think I've seen the last, like, two seasons or something. He he looks like he was listed for about three or four seasons. So I don't know how major of a character he was, but if he wasn't that many, uh, Roland. I would probably have to look it up. Yeah, I mean, and he couldn't have been, he probably, I mean, Once Upon a Time was probably, what, mid-2010, so he would have been about the same age. So then let me ask you this. Do you remember Friar Tuck? Friar Tuck? From Once Upon a Time. Uh, yeah. let me just let me just look this up real quick. Okay, so the reason I would hope you would remember Friar Tuck, or maybe you don't, maybe it's something you block out of your memory, because he was played by the guy who played the IT teacher Ian, who you hated. That was Friar Tuck, and was upon a time. Are you serious? I am. I know you love that show. That's why I hated to bring it up. Oh, Friar Tuck, right, Robin, that and all Friar that stuff. Tuck. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just—it's <laughs> been a while since I've seen that show. It's I actually really love that show. That should be like a background show for me, actually. No, you think about it. Oh, you just like work and do stuff with it in the background. Yeah, no, yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. Right now, it's Bob's Burgers, but I feel like I need a change. <laughs> That's fair. So, this movie—I <laughs> I don't know. So, so what do you think? Uh, would you? Say this was mild or wild. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say mild. It kind of pissed me off. I'm not gonna lie. I was just getting kind of angry at like the blatant disrespect for like thinking of other people. Yeah, uh, you know about empathy. Yeah, empathy and thinking about you know in the environment and stuff like people's that. Health. Yes, yeah. and uh, I was just. 
getting kind of upset. It definitely wasn't necessary. It really was kind of like a remake. Yeah. Because there were like direct scenes that like were almost like shot for shot. I don't think I'd recommend it, to be honest. I mean, if you want to see all the crazy stuff that you'd think Dolph Lundgren would get into with a bunch of kids, just look it up on YouTube. Yeah, there wasn't even much of that. No. Even that much of that was There was great. one scene where he got like paint on him or and the kids were running around being crazy. There was one, there was one kid that dumped paint on another kid's head and I was like, "Ooh, that was a that was a oh, that yeah. was a a called day." Like Where the kid's standing on the chair with the colander in his head that was peeing into a bucket. Yep, that was my third, yeah, my... I don't even understand, like, also, that did not look like a kid who was standing on that no, chair peeing in the bucket, No, no, no. That was... So what about you? Are you um, uh, on the same boat as me? So part of me is tempted to use what I would prefer to be a sparsely used rating of Reviled, as I used for Mean Girls 2, mm-hmm. but I'm not. I'm going to say this is mild, and it was mainly just because... There were a couple moments that there were a couple, like, funny lines. And even though I thought it was a little too stereotypical, I thought the chief character uh, had a couple fun moments. I know you thought the gum behind the ear thing was weird. Some of his lines, you know, you know, was it, 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 be careful when you tinkle. Don't, you know, uh, him using his phone on, on going to the bathroom. I, I don't know. I, there are a couple moments. So it's mild for me. I, it was absolutely not necessary at all uh, enjoyable, I, I, I would say not, um, mainly because the stuff that you loved from the first movie, they either didn't include or openly mocked as of, of what made it great in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I definitely wouldn't recommend it. But if you want to, check it out. You can rent it from like Voodoo and Fandango and Amazon Prime. It is there. If, if you really love the first movie, I'd almost veer away from it. But if you are looking for some slapstick Dolph Lundgren, I'm sure, you know, if that's if people aren't looking for that, I'm sure it's at least a band name somewhere. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's not really worth looking for. Alrighty. Well, I think that'll probably close the book mm-hmm. on... Kindergarten Cop 2. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Deuces Are Mild. You can also email us at deucesaremild at gmail.com. Um, if you have any suggestions or questions or if we miss something, let us know. Um, we would love to hear from you. So thanks for listening to Deuces Are Mild. I'm Allie. And I'm Rob. And we'll see you for the next Deuce. This has been an Opus Knox Media production. Produced by Allie Bachman and Rob Bachman. Edited by Allie Bachman. Visit Opus Knox Media on Facebook for more upcoming projects. Thank you.